we are live from Amarillo, Texas, and I'm here with Crystal Burns and Patrick Burns of Catalyst Coffee Company. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So before we get into um, the innovations that have transpired this year, I would love to learn more about your origin story and what brought you to this moment in time. Okay, you go. It's a long story, so we'll, long we'll make story. it abbreviated just, <laughs> just for the sake of a podcast. So um, I have an addiction to being around people. Uh-huh. Uh, and through all the different job paths and careers that I've had, I've always wanted to be around and, and create spaces that people can be, be comfortable and I can interact with them. I love and that. And so around 11 or 12 years ago, we started kicking around the idea of, of seriously opening a coffee shop. Um, I used to run a fine dining restaurant here in Amarillo. Um, I used to work in retail and manage clothing stores. Um, Are you born and raised in Amarillo? Uh, not born. Both of us were actually born in Lubbock. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about two hours from here. Uh-huh, just south. Um, but when I was two, my parents moved here and raised here ever since. Wow. And I've been here since I was about five. So we've grown up You're here. You're from here. No? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're from here. Yeah. Went to, went to high home. school together. We've known each other since we were 11. Oh, um, my gosh. This is incredible. Yeah. Yes, been married for 21 it's, years. It's cra- we were high school sweethearts. I mean, uh-huh. we only dated our senior year in high right. school. But, yes. Uh-huh. 21 years, we have an 18-year-old son who is at TCU, and we have a sophomore in high school uh-huh. um, who just turned 16 oh this gosh. week. So, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. So, Patrick is uh, what we, we like to call him the dreamer, and I'm the dream crusher. So, he brings <laughs> home the dreams, and I'm like, you're insane. You're insane. So, but with this whole coffee shop idea, it was the one thing that I was like, you know, I mean, that's really not the craziest idea you've ever had, you know? So we, we probably had that dream alive for a little bit and put it on the shelf because we had young kids at the time that we first kind of started discussing it. And so from the time that he kind of thought about starting a coffee shop to the time that we actually did was actually about 10 years. Mm. About that, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but once we decided, okay, it's time to pull that dream off the shelf and we're ready to go, um, we did some things to get ourselves financially ready because we don't come from money and neither one of our families have money. So it's kind of like... We're going to have to be all in. I'm going to have to work a full-time job. He's going to have to manage the coffee shop. And we'll just kind of see how this transpires. I'm really so glad that you are providing that context because I find in entrepreneurship, we don't talk about the means in which how people begin. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so often people are bankrolled in a variety of ways Mm -hmm. that is not disclosed yeah and so it feels like you're in competition with someone else Absolutely. but you just have no idea the capital runway someone has yes. so thanks and for we, calling we always out. have to think in terms of that too because we yeah. have compared ourselves to other people of like yeah. man why are they so successful you know quote successful. why does their marketing look so much why does it look than yes uh-huh. and it's like well there's a lot that goes into it so we actually a year before we decided to go on this idea we paid down all of our debt we went down to one we basically made it to where we could live on one income so that we could know what that felt like because we knew getting into it, there's no guarantee that you're going to get a paycheck. Right. And so we did that, and once we felt good enough, and then, of course, we had a couple of businessmen that we were in relationship with that believed in us. They didn't necessarily know if the coffee shop idea was good and if it would be successful, particularly craft coffee in Amarillo, Texas. It wasn't something that was happening at that time. Uh-huh. So, you know, they believed in more in Patrick and Crystal and said, we're going to, you know, invest in you guys. And so they were kind of our first investments uh, that we paid back and things like that. Yeah. Um, they were an angel investment that we yeah. just, you know, we are the sole owner, so we don't have any other investors that yeah. come wow. in, which is great. So incredible. Yeah. yeah. I, the reason why I wanted to own my own business and, and we can do that together is because I have a hard time working for other people. Oh, 
I can relate to this. Yeah. yeah. A lot of entrepreneurs can. Right. Uh, having agency and ownership of one's time, I, I often value higher than money. Mm-hmm. Yes. I agree 100%. Yeah. You get to you know, have a passion. You get to see that passion work or not work. But if it's your own idea, then it's your own fault if it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just believe in ourselves and know that you know we really care about our community and we want to do something unique and different here yeah. um, but still do it in a very West Texas way uh, which is really focused on just the individual one-on-one connections with people yeah. no matter who they are where they come from what their background is what their religion is we want them to understand that we value them that they're, they're an important person mm. uh, when they come in and so that's always been at the core of who we are would you say that that is a West Texas value or something that value that you want to bring to West Texas? I would say growing up here, there is a West Texas value about that. There's there's a few West Texas value. One is a very independent streak. Uh-huh. Being in the panhandle, this is the part of the country where people just kind of gave up and didn't want to keep going West anymore. <laughs> and so they just kind of were like, okay, this is far enough. And so that's kind of the... The renegades landed here. Pretty much. Uh, it's a very hard scrabble place for the most part. Um, people that stuck, stuck it out here that created a lot of themselves here. Um, they didn't need a, you know, a posh place. They didn't need a place with water, for Pete's sake. And, I mean, we're, we're called Amarillo for a reason, because it means yellow, because it's yellow grassland around us, and that's about it. Right. Um, and so there, there are some unique aspects of this area, but one part of it is very key, and that is people will do anything for each other. Mm. Because we are so remote, we call ourselves an island in the middle of no water, because there's not a lot of other places around that we can get to on a regular basis so we have to care for each other even if we don't agree with each other we still find ways to care for each other i'm getting goosebumps (laughs) this i mean what a fascinating time to be alive Mm -hmm. and also to hold those values really true and it's it's difficult to hold those values i was gonna say particularly right now all of that is being challenged just in the state that we're in with everything going on and so um it's been interesting to kind of yeah like the social media things I feel like we can do it but social media everyone is just like attacking one another that's also fun we don't have a drive-through it's because we want that personal interaction we want to be able to spend time with our customers and everything and and not that you can't do that if you have a drive-through but we just feel like that kind of removes um, a level that we just didn't want to get into you wanted Um, to create this third space Mm -hmm. totally Uh uh-huh 100% so and or church or work. Right. And, yep. Yeah. Yep. And we're and I feel like we're successful in that. There's a lot of people that would say like I mean, there's a lot of people that say I met my spouse at Palace. I met some of my best friends at Palace, you know, and so we love that and we love connecting people. We love seeing guests in the shop and being like, You you should meet one another. Like Ooh. I know you and I know you uh-huh. and I think you guys should meet because Personally you have this, or yeah. professionally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, I love yeah, that. We're, yeah. we're a little we're matchmakers. Conne- we're connectors. And, yeah, connectors. There you go. You know, and even though I'm with you on the social media front, it can create a lot of division between us. I want to just call out that there's something that you are doing on your Instagram account that I am obsessed with about unmasking. Oh, yeah. The uh, barista unmasked and the guest unmasked. Yes. yes. Well, I mean, what are you going to do? You got to, <laughs> you know, can we you like just to. Uh, 
describe it for us. It, sure. it was her idea. She's well, she's running our social media now. So yeah, this is a new thing to me. Not I'm I'm a very much uh, behind the scenes at Palace. I do all of our bookkeeping. I do all of those kinds of things. Um, I'm not out front like people know Patrick way more in the community than they know me, um, just because he's been the face for a long time. I worked a full time job whenever mm-hmm. we were first going, and so. Um, and I'm totally okay with that. Like, I, I actually like that. I'm like, I'll fly under the radar. But we recently, um, the, the girl that had been running our social media and had been a longtime employee of ours went to law school, which is awesome. Um, but when she quit, I was like, oh, I'll just take over. I'm, I'm pretty decent at writing and things like that. So um, I kind of took it over. And I, we love to feature people. Those are the posts that get the most, like, likes because it's people can relate. Or they're like, oh, I know that guy. So we always and feature. it's an actionable yes. demonstration of the value you were just totally. talking about. Totally. Yeah. So we have always had, like, we'll do a, you know, a highlight of one of our regular guests and a highlight of our barista so that people can kind of get to know something about them. And people love to see people that they know on social media or, like, see them on social media and then come in and be like, hey, you're on social media today. So <laughs> we started doing that, and I was like, well, I want to make sure, because it's been a very big thing with COVID, that we enforce mask wearing in our shops by our employees and by our guests. So I didn't want to have a bunch of pictures. I didn't want to have a bunch of pictures with only masks on, but I also didn't want to have a bunch of pictures with no masks on because it's like, what are we doing? So I started doing the hashtag guest unmasked or hashtag barista unmasked. And the first photo is them with their mask on. And then the second photo is them with their mask off. So Mm -hmm. that way we can see, you know, you can still see their face because that's important too. But also you can see the like, hey, we are it's kind of like a abiding by this yes standard. yes we're, yeah. we're doing the mask thing so yes. uh, you know so it kind of promotes that as well and then the copy of that photo is a behind the scenes or a little snippet inside look in yes, that person exactly uh-huh. i yeah. love that in new york city there's a very famous account called humans of new york yes mm-hmm. it feels very much of that style yes very cool yeah love it so in this past year or even a year prior, I imagine the way you've viewed your business at this moment in time to five years from now is probably possibly different than a year ago. So I'm just curious to hear again what led you to this moment and how you might be thinking about things a bit differently now. Well, what's unique about this year, we were going to it as the business owners trying to take off any bit of the weight of the company that wasn't really helping us move forward. We had a couple of, of side coffee shops that we had that we called our annexes that we went into just as a trial run. It didn't really cost us a lot of money to get into, but we wanted to go in and become a part of culture in a different setting. So we were on a junior college campus for a couple of years. We were in another business building downtown, the tower downtown, um, just to kind of see if we could fit in there. And you know, we tried that for a year and we realized that while we were helping to add to the culture, it really wasn't helping Palace in general because it was more of a side project. It didn't feel like our main thing. Yeah. And so. And these were all additional real estate correct. opportunities. Correct. That we were offered that they helped pay to get us in there. All we right. had to do was go in base of the equipment. Yeah. And we and our design, and they would design it to our specs. Mm-hmm. And so we've had that, you know, as part of our game plan from day one. We've we now have three locations we're about to have a fourth location we're going to open up uh, next year thank you that's <laughs> and that's going to be something fun that, that we're trying to do something new there as well but out of our four locations that we, we have right now 
uh, we've only had to pay for all the build out in one because we've had great landlords, people that have wanted us to be a part of their spaces. And so that's been one thing that we've been really lucky about yeah. um, and, and moving forward. But we realized that we really need to make sure that if we do move forward with any other shops, that it really stays the core of who we are, that we're not doing something that doesn't quite fit our, our MO. Yeah. And so we, we're going to let those two shops go this year, going into uh, COVID. This was even before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Um, we already had the idea that we're going to let those two go. because We, were we had already closed one at the end of January, and we were intending to close the junior college at the end of semester in May. Oh, okay. So we were already kind of going towards that, and then when COVID hit, it was like, full stop, okay, yeah. Yeah. What the heck are we doing now? And so, luckily, the the people that we were working with at the junior college were so you know they're they're really for us, and they wanted to make sure that you know th- this deal was mutually beneficial, mm-hmm. and it and it just wasn't. I mean, we were showing them the numbers, and they're like, okay, clearly this isn't. So they let us out of our lease even earlier than expected, yeah. especially when COVID hit, because they were closing down the junior college at that point. Right. And so we were able to pull out at spring break is whenever we you know pulled out. So we. Yeah wrapped those two projects up, um, which was something that was kind of in the works, but just got moved along a little bigger because of COVID. Um, It it certainly feels like a decision was already made Mm -hmm. thanking your past selves and COVID just accelerated that that timeline. Mm -hmm. So this year was a year that we were trying to just kind of focus on the core of who we are. And then COVID kind of made us even refocus even more um, the core of who we are has never changed from, from, from day one, which is providing places for community for, our, for people, mm-hmm. um, valuing them, serving them a great product. Uh, we love coffee. Uh, that just happens to be our product. And so if we want to value someone, we're going to try to serve them the best part we can in a unique way. Uh, and so that's not changed. But what has had to change is our delivery systems, especially during COVID. Uh-huh. I mean, heck, we have our delivery van, which we call our beast. Um, uh, and we had that out uh, from this location. We were doing coffee deliveries within five miles. Oh, interesting. We did that for about two or three months just to still reach out to our guests. Beans or ready to drink? Everything, ready everything. to drink, we did uh, merchandise. So, and that is something that we so talk about pivoting. What, how did we? I mean, we had to, we literally. I think that there were a lot of people whenever everything like happened, everyone goes into quarantine, they're like, this is the best thing ever. I get a vacation. And me and him are like, oh my God, like we're scrambling to try to figure out what the heck we're doing to keep our doors open, to keep our employees staff, to keep, you know, getting, I mean, they needed to still be paid. A lot of our employees are college students. They're not living at home, you know? And so we actually did a poll to all of our staff members and said, okay, tell me where you're at in life. If you didn't have a job tomorrow, like, do you have someone that can take care of you? Mm. Um, what, how many, you know, like, what is your monthly income that you have to have to, like, make ends meet? So we pulled them. Like, if you, you know, if, if you don't have, what's the maximum amount of hours you need to work? So that way we could distribute hours out. And everyone was so, our staff was so kind to one another. Like, wow. oh, I'm good. I live with my parents. Please give my hours to someone else or whatever. Like, it was wow. wonderful. It was like so like refreshing in the middle of all of that to see how our staff responded in that way the beauty of the community yes film. absolutely so mm-hmm. we were like pivoting with that we as patrick said we added the delivery stuff we because it, everything just kind of shut down in our city i mean it was like you could only serve to go and curbside you couldn't you can have anything open i think a lot of places were the the benefit that we have is that we're in this little like rural area that you know everything hits us about like 
a long time after it hits everywhere else. But we have enough friends in the industry that we were kind of watching. And he was actually watching more than I was. I was like, ah, this is going to be fine. It's not going to be any big deal. And he was like, no, 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 this shop is doing this. This shop is doing this. We've got to kind of follow suit. So we started making some preemptive decisions that the community was like, you guys are crazy. And we were like, we're just going to try to be safe. So we were like one step ahead because of our friends in the industry. Uh-huh. Um, and I then... I think and, that's fascinating because even... And this is why I love small business in the food and beverage industry in particular. Yeah. Is because you you are adapting to your existing community you are currently in. And you can also have friends and connections. Absolutely. In your industry mm-hmm. and so many other cities to learn and glean insights from. Right. right. It's a part of why the tidbit has taken the road. Because yes. I think this is the... Um, for me personally, I find that I hear lots of stories about what was me, what has happened, you know, this has happened to me, as opposed to having agency and ownership of one's choices. Right. And by having these examples from other cities or industry peers, that peer to peer mentorship, mm-hmm. that's really cool. Yeah, it was that, huge for us. That's what we've set up from day one. We've, we've had a chance to travel quite a bit to coffee events and to compete in coffee events and, and to make friends and go volunteer at, at different events across the nation. And it was through that that we've really made great friends that have fantastic coffee companies. You know, some of our best friends are in Arkansas, Onyx Coffee. Yeah. Um, and, and I was just there. Were you really? Awesome. Yeah. Did you go to Isn't Rogers? Did you go to their new space? I was. I didn't go to Rogers. I was in Bentonville. Were you okay. right? Yeah. 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 So, so I went to two onyx locations in Bentonville. they're amazing amazing people so they're fantastic people that we definitely talk to on a regular basis um just kind of see what's going on obviously they're super busy so it's hard to to catch them but um but yeah people like that people that have shops in austin people that have shops in the northwest um we've sowed those seeds and made relationships and friendships over the past nine or ten years and so it makes it easier whenever anything bad is happening in our industry that we can kind of look and lean on each other um, to kind of make it make it okay because as owners right now and entrepreneurs you can do one or two things you can either kind of tighten up and just kind of hold on and and hope that it all is okay right Mm -hmm. or you can pivot and you can try to look at how to come out of this better yeah Yeah. Um, and that's one thing that we're trying to do is trying to take all the you know, benefits that, you know, there's low interest rates now with the banks and things like that. So people are, you know, with this new project and, and this new giant shop that we're opening up that's going to have a full scale 2,500 square foot grocery Ooh, and 4,000 square foot. Ooh, going to be in it. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, and then we're going to have a, a craft cocktail bar that we're going to put in there. What? To go yeah, you're going to want to come back. Shop. Oh my in gosh. February. Great. Uh, or that's what we're hoping. <laughs> um, so we are deciding to kind of pivot out of COVID, hopefully once next year hits, that we'll be able to be in a better better spot and, and use this time to, to become a better company overall for our staff and for yeah. ourselves. Which again, people look at us and they're like, you're crazy. You're going to open a 6,500 square foot new operation in the middle of a pandemic. And we're like, yeah, what better time? Because we were able to receive some benefits like the PPP money and, yeah. you know, the SBA loan at a really, really low interest rate and all of that stuff. And so... Those, those things afforded us to be able to, you know, kind of build our cash flow um, and going into to this, it's like, well, you know, we can do something to set ourselves up for success. It's kind of like an investment into the future. Yes. Um, and a lot of people that is scary to them, they're like, I'm just going to hold on to all this because you don't know what's going to happen, which is like, yeah, it's true. But we really, you know, have faith and believe that we're, it's, it's going to get better and mm-hmm. we're going to come out of this and we, we want to be ready and like, posi- like Patrick said, position ourselves to be in a better spot, have more jobs for our staff, have more opportunities for our staff to move up in the company, 
things like that. We're always looking at, at things like that. I mean, originally when we started, we were like, we're just going to be this little coffee shop in Canyon, Texas. We don't need multiple shops. We just want one. And then whenever we start, got into it, we were like, well, if we want opportunities for staff and we don't want to just rotate through college students for staff members, right. we're going to have to do more. So we expanded to Amarillo. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that's always, especially on Patrick's mind, is how can we build this company where we can take care of our staff better? Mm-hmm. We can... Uh, you know, give them more opportunities if, if they want to stay in coffee. That's that's kind of a you know, people are like, oh, you're a barista. That's like a college job. It's like no, it, there's actually a lot of career people paths. that are in in the coffee industry yes. as a career, but in Amarillo, Texas, you don't see that. Totally. So it's like we we want to try to give you know opportunities for people that want to stay mm-hmm. um, and and be here and stay in this this industry. We want to give them the opportunities to I do that. Love this so much because lots of times when we think about a food system. I find that people will relate to farmers, restaurateurs, and there's so many other um, aspects to a food system, creating a value-added product, Mm -hmm. salsa, or roasting coffee Mm -hmm. that shows manufacturing, it shows trade and craft and skill, entrepreneurship, and then opening up either a brick and mortar or wholesale, Mm -hmm. and understanding how to diversify your revenue streams in times of crisis or not right yeah <laughs> and that's that's a big pivot we're trying to do coming out of this and next year is manufacturing and trying to get our coffee on more shelves we never thought we would go into grocery before right but we weren't a deal with you know with a local uh grocer that they're not local anymore they, they're national uh mm-hmm. grocer now but we're doing a test on five of their shelves right now with some of our Amazing. holding coffee and so we we were in a position that we were starting to move that direction covid just accelerated it um and so we're able to diversify our focus but it doesn't change our core. Right. Um, it's we're not taking the quality away from the coffee we're doing. We're still even on a grocery shelf. We're able to rotate, you know, out coffee that's been there for 30 days and pull it and, ro- and rotate new coffee in, Amazing. which you don't get in a lot of grocery stores. Right. Um, and so we're still trying to keep quality there because there's a lot of people that don't ever have a chance to make it into one of our brick and mortar shops. Yep. But we still want to reach them. We still want to give them a good product. And so things like that have, have just kind of fallen into place at the right time for us. Another thing is that we have an app now that people can order from. Ooh. And we were working on that actually before the pandemic hit. It just happened to launch April 1st in the midst of it all. So yeah. there's been a lot of fortuitous moments that have happened in the midst of all of this terrible time that our country's having that we were able to benefit from. I've been saying that my motto this year is planting seeds in the ashes of destruction. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that should be a tattoo. Yeah, totally. I That's really believe great. in it. Yeah. Because it's, I personally don't want to live in a system where only the big survive. Mm-hmm. I want to live in an inter- interconnected ecosystem where small businesses are working with one another yep. in, in industry together or within community with one another. How can you wholesale your coffee to the local grocer? You're yeah. buying cocktail ingredients from the local farmer, whatever it right. might be. Um, and how are we doing that and being more mindful of how money is spent to totally. uphold these systems? Mm-hmm. Are you seeing that with your customers? Do, do people here acknowledge their purchasing power and like how their dollar keeps you alive? Amarillo is unique. Um, there's a lot of support for local here. Yes. And you look, you know, two hours south in Lubbock, and which is about the same size. It has a bigger college with Texas Tech down there. But you look around there and there's more franchises in this more bigger city, uh-huh. even though we're roughly the same size. Hmm. Uh, again, I think it does go back to, hey, we're in a community together. And it's always been that way. So we need to help each other out. Yep. So I think that's kind of 
there, there's a pride there. Um, when Krispy Kreme went on their huge growth mode and oh. started to open up a ton of shops, they did bring Krispy Kreme to Amarillo, Texas. Ah. And one of the, you know, the feather in the cap of our local community is that they ran Krispy Kreme out because they oh. were trying to come against our local donut places. Who's been here for a million years, oh you know? Oh my gosh, like, no, 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 I gotta get gonna... this local donut. Yeah. Now, in hindsight, by. probably Krispy Kreme overexpanded in too many areas, but it was right. not gonna last in Amarillo because of the local support. So they are, I mean, there's a lot of people that are very mindful of that. Um, I would say like our, um, our wholesale sales took a major dip whenever COVID hit because we're wholesaling to these places that aren't open or they're, you know, some of our wholesale accounts are churches, they weren't meeting. And so our wholesale took a really big dip, but the, the amount of support we got, even not just from our own community, but from people who used to live in this community, they were like, I want to support my local coffee shop. They were ordering, we were shipping out so much coffee online from online sales of people just trying, and it really almost evened out. It's like, we didn't even lose that wholesale business because people were so um, pivoted to e-commerce yes yeah. absolutely and they did a lot of things like go to your local businesses and buy gift cards and do all this stuff so that you can use them later um, to support so there was a lot of that kind of stuff that our city was promoting and so that really did help us we're, we're very fortunate to have really really loyal customers um, and they're in you know two three times a day for wow. a lot of them so, so or they office here or whatever yeah so in this year or even leading up to this year what has surprised you about your adaptability because you both referenced that this uh, this is your first time owning a small mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. and so what has surprised you on this journey about your own resiliency and adaptability the amount of things that we can accomplish together on lack of sleep <laughs> yeah that's true um, that's very true this is this was a transition year for us as a couple i mean with our oldest going off to college uh, yeah. and wow. and losing the last bit of his senior year not having a prom and not having traditional graduation so we were very focused on him and our family and our core in the midst of also trying to focus on our business and our staff on top of all of that and so there was a lot that that was happening within our own relationship we kind of had it coming from every end because he won't mention this but i will patrick actually had two major emergency surgeries in Mm. february so we feel like we had just recovered he had his gallbladder out everything's good he is like an overachiever in all the areas his gallbladder was completely full and they were spilling into his bile duct so it was a whole thing so he was in the hospital for a week and you know had a six-week recovery and i think we felt like we had just gotten back on our feet from that and then COVID hits, you know, we're dealing with our senior, like Patrick said, and then now we're dealing with our business and what do we do? And, you know, in the weight of all of that is on our shoulders because I don't know that every business owner feels this way, but for us, like these people that are our staff members, like we truly, truly care about and we worry about their livelihood of and course. we we feel a huge responsibility to provide for them. Like if, if something doesn't work out, like... We the first thing we think about is like what what is going to happen to them you know um, you know and extended and, family and we're not like I'm not going to say that we're just totally self selfless like of course we think about okay we also have a family to provide for and things like that yeah. everybody thinks that way for sure but we we did have a lot of conversations about staff and about our kids and about you know all of that kind of stuff so. Yeah, there was a lot of late, late, late night discussions, and you know, quite frankly, a lot of drinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I because you know whatever eases the pain. So. Yeah, I think that's also the yeah. the beauty and importance of small businesses with let's say under fifty employees at yep. this particular size, or even under a hundred employees. 
is that the ability to adapt and also that connected tissue you have to everyone in your ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you get to a certain size, you it's like a depersonalization right. and a detachment and it feels more transactional mm -hmm. and not yeah. relational. Yep. I just want her to leave for a second. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Take a drink. How is your cold brew? It's really good. good. I have it with the cascara. And oh, yeah? Tempo oh, good. Nice. Nice. I love cascara. I do have to, yeah. just so, so you know, I have to leave in 10 minutes to oh. get a kit from school. So right. just yeah. so, so we have a beer that we did with Pondicetta, which is a local brewery. Um, I told you about that one. You should you should it's can go check it out. They have a patio. They have yeah. a nice patio. It's called the Palace Palmer. It's a it's a it's a coffee sour, so it's made with cascara, vanilla, lemon, our cold it's brew. Really good. Um, really tasty. It's not coffee heavy, it just has a coffee note. The cascara is sweet, like it's a really good beer. Yeah. Should I you can eat there. I, I wonder if they have a food it? truck there. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> yes. so. Um, it's only served there, and then we also... Uh, they have uh, it in cans, though, there uh -huh. as well, right? Yeah, yeah so they, you cans. can get it on draft, and then they also have it in cans. Amazing. Yeah, Maybe and they I'll have food there, too. Maybe so. I'll have a progressive meal. Yeah, there you go. And you check idea. in my hotel, go there, get my beers. Yep. Mm -hmm. Go to Yellow mm -hmm. City. Yellow City Street yep. Food, yep. Okay. Perfect. I'm feeling it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what she's doing, but I want to be mindful of your time. Yeah, you're good. Um... Wow, I'm so excited. Okay, so um, in all, hold on, I had one last point to make about families. Let me make sure I say it. Um, you, Yeah, and feeling that interconnectedness between you and your staff, I find that the, when I hear about business and startups and in our larger cultural zeitgeist, it can feel like these metrics of success are annual reoccurring revenue, month over month, over month recurring revenue. Everything is this very um, objective key performance indicator. And everything I'm hearing you say is really resonating with me because you're mentioning everything relational and how you are a family business who sees your staff as family and like what a beautiful way to think about success and like reframing what success means. Right, now we do look at our numbers. We, of course. We, it's important yeah. so we can stay going. We have also had to reframe a little bit because we did used to call you know our staff our family, but that's also a little bit not fair to them because it puts a little bit too much pressure on them mm. um, to where that's a good point. there might be some manipulation that's happened in business before by, you know, well, you owe this to me because we've done this We're before. We're family or, you know, yeah. So while we care Power about them as much, we, oh, really, it's been the past year or two that we really reframed even some of our training materials and the mm -hmm. way that we talk to them. We want them to know that we care about them and they're valued. And so that's always one of our first thoughts on any change that we make is how is it going to affect them? But we also don't want to manipulate them right. into doing anything that really isn't, isn't fair. And so really over the past year, we've been trying to put a lot more focus on their safety and the way that they feel about working here as well. Yeah. Um, and that's in how we interact with them. So when we first had one shop, I was able to own, manage, run the shop, work, interact with all of our guests. But as we've grown, I've had to remove myself a little bit more and more and have a, a really good management team that's come alongside of us. And really the past two or three years, the crew that we have right now is the best iteration of it because they really have been able to step in and, and have the same heart that we have and the same vision, but relate to our staff on a better level than even we could. 
Ooh, I feel yeah. like we could do a whole episode on hiring and org yes. charts and the importance of finding management yep. that mm-hmm. believes in the same things you do. Yeah. But I That's key. Yeah. I'll just again I'll come back when you open. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there we go. We can, we can we can have a whole nother conversation. We We, like Patrick said, we've had to remove ourselves a bit, which has been really hard, but also really good because we've learned um, some hard lessons in like hiring people that we know and that we're super close to and like how, like for us, it's really easy to separate the personal and the, you know, business side of things, but it's not always easy for them. And so it's, it's almost like we've taken a step back and we, we kind of have a unspoken policy of like not hiring people that we know. Uh And and I've told people before, they're like, I want to work for you. I'm like, no, you don't. Right. And I don't want you to, because I love you too much. Like you're too good of a friend. I don't want any of that to, you know, be, you know, jeopardized or anything like that. So we have had to take a little bit of a step back, but it's been nice. Like we sat at our Christmas party this, this past December and we were like, this is the weirdest thing. Like, I feel like it's the first year that we're not like we don't like know people really that we're not super super close to our staff right. like we're we know everybody on our staff we interact with every everybody on our staff um, and we care for everyone on our staff but it's like a different level it, it yeah. felt more like a like we're the bosses and they're the staff and right. you know so it, it felt very different which was like weird but also in a in a weird way it was also like kind in of freeing of like yes moment. totally oh, so it yeah. sounds like that's a really good example of maybe that was something you negotiated before and now it's a non-negotiable about not hiring folks who are that close to you yes absolutely so I'm wondering if there's anything else in that vein or the contrary something that was a non-negotiable that now you're negotiating you're like maybe we could do that I mean, I would say as far as focusing on our manufacturing and putting our coffee in different places, we're, we're, we do private label and white labeling for, for people. Oh, great. Um, and so we're willing to now put our coffee out there in places that might not typically be a market that we would want our brand in. Um, but we are trying to do that because if manufacturing is successful, we can have more financial backing to buy more unique coffees um, for our retail shops and you know, get great new glassware for our shops to, to elevate our, our coffee service game. Yeah. Uh, so we're willing to look into different avenues that maybe five years ago, six years ago, as a coffee purist, I might not have been open to. Uh-huh. Uh, but now I see the benefit of how that can still help further this aspect of our vision along, and it doesn't actually take away from our core brand. Yeah, yeah. love that. And I would say the app too, I mean, that was something that we had decided pre-COVID that we were like, okay, we're gonna try this. Um, ordering ahead thing we've always been very hesitant with any kind of delivery service or call ahead orders or anything like that because the quality significantly goes down while it's sitting there on the counter waiting for someone to come get it and we were always hesitant because we're like we don't want that to be someone's first experience at palace but they order it on the app they come in and then it sits there you know and it's not good so um Absolutely. Yeah. So, if anyone is inspired, because I'm inspired now. Yeah, I was ready. People are important, so. Yeah. (laughs) So many good customers. Uh Um, Okay, so anyone who's listening, who is now inspired by you both, and they are also passing through Amarillo, where can they find you online or you know, engage with you further, maybe even some e-commerce opportunities. Yeah, that, and we also do consulting too on the side. We help oh, people wonderful. open with coffee shops, so. Cool. Um, so you can find us online, it's simple, palacecoffee.co. There's no M at the end of that, because we have uh, someone that's been camping on that .com domain for a long time. Yeah. 
Uh, and so they can find us on our website. They can find us through Instagram. You can see her amazing writing and social media <laughs> management. Uh, just Palace Cock on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. Um, but when they're driving through, we have two locations in Amarillo. One's our downtown location where we currently roast out of. You'll find me down there two to three days a week roasting. Um, you can come to our Southwest Amarillo location, which is where we're sitting now. Or our original location in Canyon, Texas, just south of Amarillo, mm-hmm. on the square in a really old historic building that we took over and, and made special again. So. Wow, I kind of want to go to Canyon now. You can do that too. I mean, a, you've got all night. Whatever. Yeah. It's, you know. a, it's a fifteen-minute drive. They're they're open until nine tonight, so you know that could be your progressive dessert, maybe. Like oh. you know, go to do all of your yeah. Oh my gosh, so many <laughs> ideas. Well, thank you both so much. Absolutely. Thank you. It was great talking. Yeah, it was great to meet you. Did you know that the tidbit is derived from a bi-weekly newsletter that we send out at Curate? In it, we discuss what we're reading, eating, drinking, listening to, and learning. Five quick morsels of information to get you in the know and on top of your game. Head over to curate.co, C-U-R-E-A-T-E dot co to sign up. Also, we would love if more listeners like you could find out about the tidbit. Our mission at Curate includes the sharing of education and access to resources. And the best way to reach more folks like you is to leave a review on iTunes. Seriously, head over and let us know what tidbit of knowledge resonated with you. Until next time, remember to scale thoughtfully and source locally.